It's time for Chip Chat, the part of the show where we discuss chips and other snacks with journalist Chip Gibbons, policy director over at Defending Rights and Dissent, though he speaks only on his own behalf when talking about baked goods on Chip Chat. Chip, I'm about to uh, indulge a Fiber One soft baked bar cinnamon coffee cake. Um, this is a good mid-30s morning snack. You get your fiber. It's a tasty little treat. Um, highly recommend it, although uh, I, I guess Fiber One is the brand. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say the brand. I thought that was just like what's in it. But... The name of the pro- the name of the thing. Like, yeah, like, but uh, like yeah. I'm having so, a Fiber One. I, I hate. Cake. I hate. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to do the brand there, but whatever. Maybe I'll bleep it when we do. A the traditionally show. made Fiber One cake. The recipe <laughs> that my grandmother used. She, she brought it from uh, Denmark, where the Fiber One cake first hails from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think so, Sam. But good to see you, a... Chip. It's always good to be seen and to see you as well. Yeah, uh, so we've got some uh, anniversaries this week. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Can I give a snack shout out? Oh, sorry. Uh, my apologies. Yes, go. Go for it. It's uh, it's spring. Time to get those gardens going. If you, uh, even if you don't have um, like room in a yard or anything, you have a south facing window. Maybe get uh, some herbs growing. Maybe get a little bit of arugula or lettuce growing or spinach. Nice little, uh, Where do you... throw yourself a salad there. I do not have a garden because my landlord took the small part of land, like grass or dirt, decades before I moved in, in front of my the house and filled it with cement to prevent rats from bur- burrowing in there. So... I will hmm. not be growing anything. Also, it's a bus stop. I don't know what people on the bus stop would sit if we did not have this cement, uh, bit of cement out there. Love going to uh, my friend Sam Knight's house this summer. Going to ask for some snacks. He's going to be like, ah, I got some arugula you could go chew on out there. <laughs> Make I you eat a salad. arugula with Sam. I, I eat arugula. <laughs> yeah, but it's like. You, you should be so lucky. It's like you yes, got a corn, frankly. If you ate arugula, you wouldn't be eating fiber one bars. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. This Fair kid enough. this kid's been talking about getting regular for years. Yeah, it's, it's he's ready to sneer at arugula. Here. And I think I'm, I'm getting a hold of it here thanks to these fiber bars. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we can uh, get into some of these anniversaries. But first, uh, Chip, your reaction to the death of the Duke of Edinburgh. I first learned of this when you sent me this message and I read it five minutes ago, so I don't I don't have any reaction. Chip is uh, taking the advice of his kindergarten teacher, and if he doesn't have anything nice to say, he won't say anything at all. That's generally my rule on this program. We've this Sam Sachs has has roasted me for that before continuously no. over the years. I don't roast you for being a nice boy. I don't roast you for that. You're you're roasting me right now. I feel like subtly by using the phrase "nice boy." I I, I see what you're doing. You're you're you think you think you can. You well, think you can it's get because I don't fast. actually think you are, Chip. I think you've got this. Uh, you've got definitely the sharp edge underneath this sort of nice boy exterior that you let it like Wolverine's Wolverine's claws. You know, you let those things come out every now and then. Well, Sam, I will fire my psychiatrist and hire you in her place because <laughs> you seem ready to do like some like I'll do it for free. Help. I kind of just enjoy this shit. I, it's what I'm afraid of. Uh, um, Sam, did you? Uh... I believe the name for that is sadism. I believe I believe what you're describing is sadism. <laughs> 
Sam, did you have any reaction to the uh, to the death of Prince William or uh, Philip? Sorry, Prince Philip. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself yes, here. Yes, that uh, tomorrow Premier League players are going to be taking a knee in honor of Black Lives, and then they are going to be shouting slurs for a minute in honor of Prince Philip. Uh, uh, Chip, does uh, does the death of Prince Philip have uh, have any any impact on the current? incarceration of Julian Assange. I'm guessing not, but I'm trying to do some sort of transition or segue into what our main topic is this week, which is uh, Julian Assange. Several anniversaries this week. He's still uh, imprisoned. Where do we start? Yes. Well, let's start with the two anniversaries. Uh, Monday of this week was the 11-year anniversary of the release of the collateral murder video. Uh, As people may recall, the collateral murder video was video footage taken from a U.S. gunship that shows them killing between 12 to 15 people, uh, wounding children, and that two of the people that were killed were journalists with Reuters. And Reuters had long sought the video through FOIA and was unable to obtain it. Uh, interestingly enough, one uh, one of the veterans who, and was not a veteran at the time, a soldier, who could be seen on the ground trying to trying to rescue two of the children had later become very active with anti-war activism as had another member of that um whatever the military configuration they were in a battalion or whatever and that the video really gave them a chance to to talk even more about their experiences and have something to back it up and i actually uh many years ago sat in a small room small conference room in in new york city uh with the gentleman who was the soldier in the video who could be seen talking about who could be seen rescuing the children and we watched the collateral murder video with him and he talked about it and i am still very haunted by that uh experience to this day which is part of the reason why i think i just find the treatment of first Chelsea Manning and then Julian Assange is so, so disgusting and so vile because that experience, you know, will never, ever leave me. Um, and, you know, just what they're doing is just beyond reprehensible. Um, it, it's interesting because, you know, we talked about Daniel Hale last week. Uh, Daniel Hale is the Drones Papers whistleblower and I've been talking a lot about, you know, how the Espionage Act was was used originally um, against the Socialist Party. And, you know, one of the comments Debs made that got him arrested, there's a, there's a debate amongst Eugene Debs scholars when he gives the Canton, Ohio speech, the speech that got him indicted under the Espionage Act. Uh, what his intent was. Some people think he was very conservative in what he said on purpose to avoid running afoul from of the Espionage Act. Uh, others have this theory he went out to make a martyr of himself, which is pretty loaded, but I would describe it more as like he knew what he was doing and was willing to keep speaking against the war, even in the face of repression. Either way, I mean, the comments that get him in trouble are very mild, uh, even by, by you know, Espionage Act cases from that time. You know, he says, if war be right, you know, let it be declared by the people. Let you have a decision in deciding the monumental issue of war or peace. And it struck me that with the Pentagon Papers, 
with the drone papers, with the collateral murder video, you know, what they're using the Espionage Act for in prosecuting whistleblowers is to deprive us of that information that would allow us as a democratic society, as the polis, if you will, to, to make that decision about our government's foreign policy, right? The United States government has sought for century now to hide the reality of its war making. And while the Espionage Act has changed in purposes from sort of going after people for doing pretty bland anti-war speech to going after people who give classified information to journalists, uh, the fundamental point here is still the same, which is that we as a people have no right to have a say in a supposed democracy in the foreign policy our government carries out in our names. Like that is the continuity of the Espionage Act. And that only dawned on me uh, 48 to 72 hours ago. And I've been talking about the Espionage Act for not as long as I've been alive, but pretty, pretty, pretty much close. Um, a, uh, to what you said about the, um, the soldier who testified about being on the ground, his name is Ethan McCord. Is that right, Chip? Yeah, Ethan McCord was the one who's in the video. And then there was a Josh something, I'm blanking on the last name, who wasn't in the video, but was in that um, battalion. I don't think it's called a battalion. And both of them wrote an apology letter. And I saw uh, the other one speak as well at, at Red Emma's at one of the events around Winter Soldier. Um, so Red, Red Emma's, was, of course, is in Baltimore. It's a book, bookstore in and Ethan McCord also said that, uh, to your point about hiding the realities of war, McCord said that after the uh, collateral murder video came out, that he was ordered uh, by his commanding officer in Iraq to respond to an IED explosion or a, an insurgent attack, to respond to that with, quote unquote, 360 degree rotational fire which is essentially fancy talk for indiscriminate killing. A war it's crime. Call, it's, it's called reconnaissance by fire. And the first time I heard of that concept was from Ethan McCord, the time I was a, an intern at a human rights group in, in New York City at the time. And he came by with people from, I believe it was World Can't Wait. Um, and we watched the video and he gave a talk to us and... I I actually had completely blanked the reconnaissance by fire out of my mind, Sam, but I remembered that for, for years. Um, and he mentioned how it had sort of started in, in Vietnam. And, you know, in Vietnam, you're in the jungle, right? I'm not defending U.S. war crimes in Vietnam. Please, no one think that's what I'm doing. But, you know, in Vietnam, you're, you're in the jungle. So firing 360 degrees around is a little bit different. But when you're in a densely populated uh, urban area, I mean, his said point blank, I mean, the intent is to kill someone's grandmother as like, you know, retaliation. Um, yeah. yeah, so. It's also a good way to kill your own <sighs> troops. I mean, friendly fire is an often way. Yeah, to, no, no, yeah. People that die in true. war. And considering they're trained to basically do it, you can see how it happens. There, what, there was another, um, it was in a separate WikiLeaks uh, uh, data dump in the, cable dumps, but also pertains to Iraq and, uh, again, hiding the realities of war, which was in the uh, cable gate dump 
the uh, the cache of um, dispatches from U.S. diplomatic facilities around the world, it was revealed that the U.S. carried out an airstrike in Iraq to cover up uh, basically a, 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 a killings that came from a raid. Yeah, and and the other soldier's name was Josh was Josh Diver. I want um, and I believe he yeah. Um, it's just, and you know, there's videos of them talking about the collateral murder video online. If you, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you want to watch them or not, but I mean, if you want to know what the war is like or was like, I, I would say do so. Yeah. I suppose we might have some, some zoomer listeners, uh, at this point who might've been only like, you know, like. 13 or 14 years old when, when those, um, when, when collateral murder first came out and maybe they were not interested in, in politics at the time. But if, yeah, if you haven't, um, uh, watched this stuff, um, obviously it's very hard to watch, but it, it is important. And I also want to give a shout out to the winter soldier hearings. I mean, I, I, I remember when I was in high school, because I, I, I had organized some events for some members of what was then Iraq Veterans Against the War, and I believe now is called About Face. Uh, and, and they did this, this, this hearing called Winter Soldier, where they recounted um, sort of the realities of the war. These are people who had served. And I remember listening to it on Pacifica Radio, right? Because you didn't hear it on CNN. You didn't hear it on MSNBC. But, you know, Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! covered it you know, on their regular program, Pacifica Radio broadcast it live. And then I drove with some friends in my high school to Red Emma's, the bookstore in Baltimore, named after the anarchist Emma Goldman, um, to like watch a video of it. Because I guess that's just the way. I don't know. I remember, you know, at one point, you know, it was really exciting or ter- horrifying, depending on the news, like every day to like get on the radio and turn it around and find find democracy now and now you can just go online and you know download things i guess we could have downloaded things too this is only like 2007 not like 1977 but you know i don't know maybe i didn't know the internet worked obviously the uh collateral murder video and the leaks had and still have a profound impact on journalism and um the stories that came out of those leaks, but what impact do you think that that video, and sometimes I don't know how much of a bubble I am because I've seen that video hundreds of times just by virtue of working in this field, by being on Twitter, you see it just all the time. Um, In just the last week, I've seen it as scrolling through Twitter pretty often. But did that video really sort of break into the public conscious? I mean, we got temporarily kicked out of Iraq, right? You know, um, we were in the process of renegotiating a status of forces agreement. And part of those agreements were always uh, immunity for, for U.S. war crimes. I don't think the video was the one cause of it. But as people have pointed out, you know, the, the Iraq refused, surprisingly, to, to agree to that term uh, again and and that led U.S. troops to at least temporarily being removed from Iraq when uh, no observers of the war thought that was going to happen before that video came out. 
Uh, and also the airstrike uh, cover-up. Airstrike cover-up. Yeah, I mean, multiple factors. There. Also, I would point out that, you know, the WikiLeaks cables from the same leak or from the same package of documents that Chelsea Manny gave, you know, showed corruption with the dictator in Tunisia, which, you know, led to protests. And obviously there are other factors here as well uh, that became the beginning of the Arab Spring. Now, 10 years later, the Arab Spring did not turn out the way any of us thought it was going to. But like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I, I think they have had a profound impact on the world. And maybe you don't see it on CNN, but I mean, I think those events that I've described are important world events. And I'm, I know some people would be like, this happened all because of WikiLeaks. And I think that's a little bit, a little bit too, too simplistic, but it was part of this sort of uh, wider, um, collage of events that led to those things happening so yeah i i i i don't know i refuse to be um a doomer here well i don't think it's a it's not i wasn't asking that of doomer obviously it's had a massive impact on stuff around the world but in terms of the u.s government's suppression of that information for domestic audiences here and i mean i don't know i like you 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 there's something different about watching the collateral murder video that that I, I, I it didn't lead to anything it seems like as far as u.s policy goes and war crimes go i i mean our troops got had to leave a country i mean that our is troops are still in that country they're they still came back later, <laughs> like they came i know back i'm just saying events, so they came back but that later but, but okay i mean if you okay so if you're gonna time make the is case a flat that, circle okay time is a flat circle you'll be here again fine if you want to take that perspective no i'm just trying to you. kind of have a discussion here about how the u.s government has responded to the information of wikileaks and they responded by putting people in jail right. they responded by going after chelsea manning and they've responded by going after Julian Assange. They've responded by trying to destroy the people who did this in order to send an example that you don't give information about what the U.S. government does. Like, absolutely tried to destroy that. Chelsea Manning was tortured before she was ever even convicted. Not that you should be tortured at any point, but she was tortured before she was ever even convicted of anything. Assange is being tortured right now, right? What we're watching of Julian Assange is probably what Jeremy Scahill calls a slow motion assassination, right? I think very few people are under any illusions that if Assange is not released, he will die in prison because the effects on his health which I think are probably intentional, have been so deleterious. And that brings us to the uh, second anniversary, is that coming up on April 11th on the, the two, is the two-year anniversary of British police entering the Ecuadorian embassy, a unheard of surrender of sovereignty by, by a supposedly sovereign state, uh, Ecuador this time under the leadership of Lenin Moreno, who had run as Rafael Correa's uh, successor and then betrayed everything he had run on uh guillaume long who had been a foreign minister uh under correa and had negotiated some of the assange stuff his predecessor did, did a lot of that you know mentioned to me you know tre treason is very common in, in politics but you know correa and moreno is almost shakespearean in in nature uh but this sort of sellout Lenin moreno let british british law enforcement entered the embassy two years ago on um on this sunday to arrest julian assange on the charge of bail hopping 
initially, which we know was a ruse. And then he was had also been that day indicted uh, by the U.S. for conspiracy to violate the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. The charge there being that he helped, tried to help but did not succeed in helping Chelsea Manning crack a password. Not so she could get information she didn't already have, but in order to sort of cover her tracks in, in getting the Guantanamo Bay files. Uh, since then, he's been indicted on a number of accounts under the Espionage Act and the Conspiracy to Commit Computer Intrusion Act <laughs> has been rewritten to just throw in all kinds of bizarre kitchen sink type stuff, including the claim that they uh, they paid for it helped Edward Snowden get a flight. Um, which, you know, I, I don't think helping a political refugee is a crime, but, you know, who knows what's a crime in the Eastern District of Virginia. It's a very strange legal system they have there. Um, Assange, you know, he was in the embassy. Uh, the UN uh, group on arbitrary detention found his uh, being forced to stay in the embassy constituted a form of arbitrary detention. He then was... He was now being held in Belmarsh, first on bail, on bail hopping. He was given an unprecedented sentence for bail hopping, which the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture uh, condemned. He then was, you know, awaiting extradition to the U.S. for, you know, espionage, which is a political offense and therefore should should not be extraditable. But, you know, uh, law doesn't mean what it used to mean anymore, apparently, at least that when it comes to Julian Assange or when the U.S. wants something. And, you know, a judge blocked that extradition, not on free press grounds, but on humanitarian grounds because of the deplorable conditions of U.S. prisons. And yet, where is Julian Assange? He's still being held in Belmarsh while the government, uh, the U.S. government and the British government on their behalf appeals this decision. And we've seen reports from his partner, Stella Morris, on, on Twitter about the horrible conditions he's being kept in in belmarsh so you know this is this is where we're at i don't know i don't know i i i just don't know what to say it's just it it's really awful and um you know for for some of the things we've discussed like wikileaks has had such a huge impact um on on the on the course of history over the past decade or so it, it might not have had uh, the long-term impact that we were all hoping it would, but it certainly has uh, changed the course of events. Um, and it just highlights what an absolute, you know, how the uh, the U.S. hailing itself as the ultimate purveyor of civil liberties and rules-based order and all that crap uh, is just such a sham and it's it it is quite overwhelming to think about at times i guess a positive note to end on, or hopefully positive um potentially positive is that you know ecuador is having an election on on sunday um lennon moreno did not seek re-election and that the left candidate uh the real successor to sort of the movement of of correa uh andres aruz is is in the runoff and uh i'm hoping he wins i'm i'm rooting for him obviously there's been a lot of um unfortunate events in ecuador with attempts to interfere in the election possibly by you know the cia no uh, so i yeah so i am uh 
hoping for a fair uh, election, which, you know, we saw in Bolivia that, you know, you have a fair election, you can restore democracy in a country and hopefully Ecuador will again be a sovereign nation and not someone who lets British police officers uh, trample into their embassy, which is sovereign space. Yeah, I I just remember when Assange was in the embassy, I was kind of hoping that like the Ecuadorian government was going to like send a helicopter and like and and like do some sort of uh Rainbow Six style exfiltration where they they throw a cord down and Assange gets on the the he grabs the cord and the helicopter spirits him away to a ship and he he makes it to Ecuador. Uh, I, I mean, the British had people had police outside guarding the embassy, and I would point out that you know, at a huge cost, fled the, at a huge cost, like people who fled the Pinochet regime, right? They would go to embassies, the the Swedish embassy, the Dutch embassy, and the embassy would drive them around in an embassy car. And the Pinochet government, a government that was rounding up people in a soccer stadium and murdering them, and and you know, overthrew a elected government in a coup, they would not go and pull you out of a Dutch embassy vehicle, right? Because that would be a that would be a step too far, uh, even for Pinochet. So the British government, uh, once again, I suppose that democracy, you know, was behaving more lawlessly in, in this in this aspect than than Pinochet did, which really always struck me, you know. I just am still sort of shocked by the whole process. Well, Pinochet, uh, sir, and this, I don't mean to introduce this at the end of Chip Chat, but certainly Pinochet didn't feel uh, uh, too embarrassed or awkward or whatever to detonate a car bomb on U.S. soil and uh, to assassinate a, a left-wing dissident, uh, Orlando Letelier, in uh near dupont circle here in dc but then again why would he he had the full support of the u.s government so it makes sense that he would uh feel emboldened to do that in the u.s capital yeah and orlando bosch who was involved in that assassination attempt who was a cuban exile was later pardoned for i think a different crime by george hw bush who just happened to be head of the cia when when that happened hmm um, you know the official like media story about why Orlando Bosch got a pardon was because they wanted to give Jeb a leg up um, in the Florida elections which is already more critical of a story than the media usually tells about the Bushes so you know the real story is even worse and the fact that he was carrying out these acts of terror including I believe threatening a US member of Congress Ed Koch um just goes to to show i i just how how awful what was really going on was yeah what's the next uh date or or step here in assange's legal proceedings there's going to be appeals i'm not sure when i'm not sure sure what the timeline is here we're just sort of in limbo with assange in belmarsh all right chip well we'll do this again next week what do you think well, next week I will have had my first dose of the vaccine. So dose one, dose one. I'm getting dose so two. I'll have a, a micro. Weeks. I'll have a microchip in me, Sam. I might not be able to talk about Julian Assange. Well, I feel a lot dumber <laughs> since dose one. I don't know what I what they gave me. They gave me the Pfizer, and it hasn't given me any superpowers. I don't know what's going on. 
Everyone's shooting up but me. I, 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 I'm, I'm fucking, I'm steaming with jealousy right now. Damn, I can, I, are you registered for the yes. mass vaccination site in Greenbelt? Yes, I have pre-registered in both Greenbelt and in Washington, D.C. Call the, Mar- call Maryland Govax. That's what I did. Call the Maryland Govax hotline. Might have to do that. They do it based and, on your tweets. They're like, this motherfucker's on Twitter all the time. He doesn't need to be vaccinated. Well, I would get behind that policy, but, you know. I had to lie. I had to say I didn't have a Twitter account. I don't even know what Twitter is, and they gave me a shot. <laughs> they were like, you're the person who always tries to rein Sam Saxon. You can have extra vaccine. <laughs> See you, Chip. See ya.